Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. And you know, I rabbited once, and it didn't look anything like this. <laughs> Today we're talking about Minute 89, which begins with Fury finding Coulson dying, and ends with Natasha hearing the news about Coulson. Back on the show, we have Curtis Findlay from the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello, Curtis. Hello. And boy, this is a good episode to talk about. I'm glad I uh, was on for this minute. Absolutely. Before we jump into everything going on with Coulson, last chance to chat about uh, Loki. With the, you know, We mentioned yesterday that at the very beginning of this minute, we see as Loki's flying away, he's got that mischievous smile on his face. Um, what do you think of Tom Hiddleston and, and Loki in this film? Curtis? He's fantastic. He's uh, definitely one of the highlights. I, I like him in the first movie leading up to this as well, so it was great to see him as the antagonist here. I wasn't sure if he would be able to cut it against all of the Avengers because, you know, he's not like he's, it's not like he's a powerhouse or anything, but they really wrote him well with uh, his, his tactical mind and his just mischievous nature. And this little smile that you get are these little subtle things that Tom Hiddleston does all throughout any time he appears. He's a character. He's a he's a minimalist actor and he is fantastic at it. Uh, I think he does a great job here. It's, it is interesting. And obviously, you know, Loki figures prominently in the Avengers comics. So it makes sense that they kind of pick him. Uh, to play their first villain, but especially he is the first. He is the first villain in Avengers yeah. number one, right? Yeah, exactly. What do you think of his character? Uh, the way that his character changes over the course of the franchise as he kind of becomes. Um, I, I guess it's fair to say likable. He becomes somebody that uh, is not necessarily a hero, but certainly, you know, is somebody that we kind of root for. And eventually, is getting his own TV series. I mean, how does that shift in his character? Uh, play for you. That is 100% the strength of Tom Hiddleston and the fact that he is um, a great actor and that he is a very personable guy, um, always there for his fans. And when the fans want more of that, then you got to give them, give it to them. Uh, Marvel has a history of taking their very popular villain characters and turning them into heroes because they've just become so popular. Venom being the number one example of that. Uh, he started out as a Spider-Man villain, and when he became super popular, they wanted to give him an, their own series, but Marvel's like, you know what? We can't really give the, the a villain their own series and glorify what they're trying to do, so we need to turn them into an anti-hero. And so that's what they did with there. And, and make him funny. <laughs> Venom never actually went very funny. That was a thing for the movies. That's that a movie didn't thing, yeah. really yeah. play very well, in my opinion. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Whenever you get to the Venom Marvel movie minute episodes, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you Lord. let me know. <laughs> Curtis, yeah. please don't hold your breath for that. Please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Deadpool is another example of that, that type of a character. And I think yes. Loki went through the transformation specifically because Tom Hiddleston is such a great person, just a, a not even his character, but him, him, he himself is a great person. They want to give him more spotlight. Let's turn him into a hero. And then the comic books 
kind of followed suit with that. I mean, it makes sense. And in the scope of villains who become somewhat heroes because there are villains worse than them, I mean, I suppose that's kind of how a lot of these work, right? I mean, in the case, certainly with Venom, well, he's kind of a bad character. He eats people and stuff, but Carnage is much worse. So we like <laughs> we like Venom because he's better. And I mean, that's certainly the case with with um, Loki here. He's he's a mischief as far as like what he does. Uh, obviously, you know, kills Coulson, which we're certainly going to talk about here. And so there's a lot of reasons to not like the character, but Thanos is so much worse. So, you know, we still like Loki a little bit because he and Thor, they have so much fun together, you know? So it's it's interesting the way that they always play that. Well, and they do it really well. I mean, Marvel is nothing if not heroic relativists, right? Like, you know, can, shall we bring up Punisher? <laughs> you know, that's like, sure. like so much of these characters are more interesting in their complexities as they deal with their own, um, you know, struggles with good and, and evil, whether they do it with funny uh, or they do it with with solemnity. And, and uh, I think this is this is one of those sequences where a character that we end up ultimately loving and giving an entire series to does a bad thing to another character that is arguably beloved in the MCU. Uh, and and I'm, I'm curious your takes on Coulson's, like the degree of mourning for the loss of Coulson in this movie. And I ask that question with no disrespect to Clark Gregg and his performance as Coulson. I, I really do like this character. And he's also like a, a, our principal S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Everybody seems really sad when a lot of other people presumably died, too. What makes this one different? Um, I would have to say that this is another example of the actor being the primary catalyst to all of this. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of time between Iron Man and Avengers. But in that amount of time, Clark Gregg went from nobody to like super popular at the comic conventions and everything like that. Like fans loved him as a person because he is just such a great person. So when we see the loss of this character, I think we're not actually mourning the loss of Coulson. It's more, oh man, Clark Gregg is being written out of this franchise that we're so attached to. Yeah, I think that's a really astute point. And, and, you know, it certainly is something that they've very purposefully, you know, we uh, on this show, Curtis, we, we refer to the uh, writer-director as Tignataro because of the whole replacement of an actor with issues uh, on the set of Army of the Dead with Tignataro, which, uh, you know, so we jokingly refer to him as Tignataro here. But the the writer director is Tignataro was um, crafting this script uh, with Zach Penn. There's clearly an element of let's put as many moments in here every chance we get with Coulson to make the audience he is the perfect audience surrogate, right? We've got moments where he's fanboying with Captain America. We've got moments where he's hanging out with Tony and Pepper. Like, he he always seems to be in with all of these people who are so cool, and we all like them. They're all superheroes. And so giving him these moments where he has these awkward conversations, or he's just kind of a fan, and it just it makes him so relatable as somebody for us to kind of connect with. And I think that's one of the the 
perfect elements of the way that they chose to really expand on him as a character from this film. Because, I mean, we'd seen him in the previous films off and on, but never in as as prominent a role as he has here. And so getting a chance to really connect with this guy was very smart. And I will say, uh, in Tig's projects, and you know, specifically, I always think of uh, Serenity as the follow-up to Firefly, there is this element of writing a character that the audience loves and just has such a connection with suddenly getting killed. And it gives the audience like such a jolt because it forces you to like accept that somebody that you know and love and really have connected with over all this time has now died. It increases the stakes because you get this this sense of the story like suddenly like well now now nobody's safe because i don't know what's going to happen anywhere the whole world's falling down around me because colson just died it's like that sort of moment and i think you know it's one of those moments that in the scope of telling a story i suppose you can look at it like um it's a little unfair for the director to do that or the writer to kind of do that as they're putting a story together but at the same time it's like that's how you tell good stories you give characters things you want and then you have to like you know break their hearts at some point and this is that moment and it's i mean it's heartbreaking but it's effective yep yeah i i you know i i agree with that and i think it's also a thing that he's really good at and has been really good at since you know buffy right which was the whole idea of taking creating a catalog of incredibly beloved characters and and setting this the the table in such a way that you you don't you just never know who is at risk next right you just never know I, and and i think he actually killed buffy twice right like and and <laughs> brought her back which increases the uncertainty around which characters are safe and which characters are not. So I think it's a it's a useful narrative tool, and I don't think it's used irresponsibly. I do think it's used as a way to to build up the intensity around, you know, the situation here and to bring the team together through grief. You know, that it's great. That's fine. I'm 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 here for it. And again, I do love Clark Gregg. I do love love Clark Gregg. Yeah. <laughs> And he was the thing that, that I'm sure you've mentioned this before, of course, Coulson is the thread through phase one. We meet him, I guess it's not in the first couple of movies. We meet him in Iron Man 2, right? Or is it in Iron no, Man No, we one? meet him in Iron yeah, Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. from the very beginning. Through the course of, of these movies unfolding, he is the, the one consistent character through all of them. And then we also got those little short films that included him mm-hmm. as well. And it's like, that's that's really, really neat to see. Uh, no other phase in Marvel uh, has that thread. And I, in fact, I am, I, I'm not as keen on this current phase that we're in, phase four or phase five or whatever we're in now, uh, because we don't have that connective tissue. It was really, really important for establishing the universe at the very beginning. And taking that away is like, what, where are we going next? What's going to happen? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There is an element that I do wonder, and um, I, I don't know. I'm curious, uh, both of your takes on this. Um, I never finished watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as, as uh, Pete knows. But I do wonder... The nature of bringing him back for that show, does that diminish 
the weight of this because and i mean obviously it happened a few times in buffy as you just said pete when suddenly your characters can be killed off oh but then just written back and there's you know i'm sure we'll come up with a reason does that end up diminishing the weight of uh, character loss yes it always does it doesn't matter what it is it always it always will um, the the fact that they sort of divorced Agents of Shield from the rest of the MCU, I think, helped that they never mentioned Coulson ever again in the movies, so that weight still continues if you never watch the show. Also, spoiler alert: Coulson dies a few times in Agents of Shield, <laughs> <laughs> and they keep bringing him back. Just say. They the keep bringing director, it back. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's a, there's something about, like, and, and this is to your point again, Curtis, which is this idea that it would have been miserable had Clark Gregg not lived up to the performance of Coulson. Like, I loved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it did, it, it is a, it's a cognitive twist when you turn it on and realize, okay, they're promoting a show with this character who I saw die and was supposed to care because everybody grieved and now we're moving on and I have to be excited about that. But once I got over that, he's he's really great and I love all of his exchanges with the entire team on that show and I think they, they it was written well. So it, it does. It, it does damage the long-term sort of emotional continuity of Coulson as a character. You know, would Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. been the same had it been not Coulson at the head of it? You know, probably, frankly. They probably would have been able to do more with it uh, had it not been Coulson. But I just, Clark Gregg had the charisma to carry it. Definitely, yep. Well, yeah, I mean, he is a very charismatic actor. I, I definitely um, agree with that. It is just one of those things where in the scope of storytelling, when suddenly that happens, it's like, because, I mean, to a certain extent, that's an interesting element that potentially affected people's opinions of of wanting to see more of Tom Hiddleston, because it's like mm -hmm. they love Loki, but, you know, it's like, well, do we want to continue a story thread with a character who killed one of our most beloved characters that we had created for this thing? And, like, I can see them struggling with how, well, how can we make people still like Loki down the road? And then suddenly it's like, well, you know what? But Phil's alive now, so... Loki didn't really kill him, so it's kind of okay. And so there's an element there also where it's like, you know, in the scope of all of this, it all it kind of makes Loki a little less unlikable too. So it's yeah, it's it's interesting the the choices that they made with that. But I think when you're watching this film and none of that stuff had happened back in 2012, like this is all we have and 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 Phil Coulson gets killed right here. I mean, he'd been stabbed a few minutes ago, but this is where he dies. It's like, I mean, it, it hit. It, it, I think it was very effective. Yeah. Out of all of the characters in this movie, all of the, all of the main cast in this movie, Coulson is the only one who doesn't exist in the comics or didn't at the time. Right. right. And so all of them, all of these characters have sort of built-in histories that the comics are you know, sort of following here and there. The main ones being deaths would be would be one of the the you know the the high points. Like we saw that with Jane Foster's character, um, her her cancer story, although it, it ends differently in the comic books. That is still kind of a benchmark. And so Coulson being a character that doesn't have any history, I think he's the logical choice to to become the martyr. Well, okay, so now this is another interesting 
thing to discuss because he literally becomes a martyr to the point where it's he's almost saying that in the script and i oh, yeah, wonder absolutely. how the two of you <laughs> how the two of you feel about that because i mean he says it's okay this was never going to work if they didn't have something to uh, and then he dies but it's like i mean he's saying what the the uh, what the the writers intentions are is that like way too obvious i i of all of this i that's the thing that i struggle with actually quite a bit i think this shows his commitment to his job to world security because he's saying it's okay if i'm dying because this is going to be the thing that saves the world (laughs) i'm at least he hopes he hopes And (laughs) and if there was ever a character though to be able to play that message it's probably colson yeah right like he is so on his sleeve authentic. Like, ev- there is nothing about him that feels sort of subversive, even as a spy, right? Like, he is, the way his sort of interpersonal relationships are, he can't help but speak truth to his friends. Like, he's so awkward. He's so, <laughs> his fanboying is fantastic. Like, this seems like the perfect sacrifice that this character would make for Captain America and well, Iron Man. Yeah. And uh, like I, this yeah. is what he would do. I believe it. He's like, I, I get to play a role in the Avengers origin <laughs> story? Yes, please sign me right. up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Maybe I'll get a playing card one day. Yeah. Well, essentially, he is uh, Steve Rogers throwing himself on the grenade mm. who never gets the super soldier serum yeah, right and it yeah. is an actual grenade <laughs> like, yeah. that's that's basically what we're getting with colson wow right? yeah that's great that's really great <laughs> that is so dark andy god <laughs> I'm just saying, that's exactly <laughs> what they're is, giving us he never gets the serum and it is a grenade that's what he's doing right now is the <laughs> darkest thing you've ever said on this show maybe. <laughs> Uh, well, you got to get blood on the playing card somehow. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <man. laughs> I just have to say, as an aside, you just took my last line of this episode. Now I have to come up with something completely different. Uh, talk to Monty Python. I'm sure they can help. <laughs> now, now, here's a question for you. Have either of you ever used the verb rabbited or to rabbit? Just now, a, a few minutes ago, I just did. It's the first time. I regret it. I. It took me so long. What does he even mean in this context? Right. It took me so long to figure out what he was saying. I'm like, what is he saying? And even, and you know, the the script that I use, I sometimes I question. I'm like, is this an actual script or did somebody just transcribe this? Because sometimes I'm like, I think that they have typos all over this thing that I don't think that the writer intended. And so, because uh, basically what I think he says is the god rabbited. I thought he said the guy rabbited. It could be the guy, but I, I thought it was the god because he's talking about Loki. Um, but it could be the guy rabbited. Either way, it's just such a weird thing to say. And I just like, as I as I finally figured out what he's saying, I'm like, is this something somebody would ever use, especially when they're dying? Like, <laughs> just yeah. like it felt like well, such it, a written it feels- line. It feels really military, and it is. I, I mean, it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, to, yeah, and it, it. That's what it sounds like to me. It feels like a thing that that you might say uh, if you were, if you were, you know, or or may I don't know if you were on a search for somebody. Like if you're on a hard target search, this feels like a very much a 
that kind of a that kind of a thing. Uh, it is. I mean, it is. It's in the dictionary <laughs> to to rabbit as a verb. What does it mean? To move quickly or run away. So you know, I it it works. Uh, but I've just never heard it used that way. So, hmm. <sighs> I yeah. I, I so okay. Here's, question. Here's another definition. Fuck. It's the activity of hunting rabbits. So, <laughs> so here, go go with me on this one. Way back in minute seventy four, I think it was seventy four seventy five, when I was talking about Loki's motivation about going in here, was he going in to kill someone to kill Coulson? Was that one of his goals? Was he hunting a rabbit? <laughs> oh, he rabbited, he but then rabbited. wouldn't it have had to have an object? He rabbited me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got I got well, rabbited. He's dying. He doesn't have right. enough energy to get that word out. <laughs> I've just been rabbited. <laughs> now I just want Loki talking like Elmer Fudd. <laughs> yeah. Be <laughs> very, very quiet. You. <laughs> Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, it is it is a strange line for sure. It it feels written. It feels like the writer going, Oh, I didn't know that, that was a word. This would be fun to throw in somewhere. And they put it in here. And I mean it is it's clever. It is interesting. It certainly makes you go, Oh, okay, there's you know, that's something that Colson says, I guess. Um yeah. even when he's dying, he's gonna talk about being the the guy or the god rabbited it's a strange little thing and if you think about the way buffy was written there are all these cute catchphrases and odd lingo and so stuff many. that you know this actually falls into that kind of category does it really interesting and and that's part of the of the gimmick and in, in how and i think that spawned a lot of the same kind of writing at the time which was let's take characters who would never in a million years speak this way and give them language that makes them sound like they are sort of preternaturally like gifted with words like it just doesn't make sense and that's what we like about them that's like buffy it's dawson's creek it's like all of those sort of teens that speak like adults kind of things and and um so that fits yeah, it uh, is interesting. This being the very last meeting between Nick Fury and Coulson, have you talked about at all about their comic book characters at all, counterparts? Not specifically. Did you have uh, something in mind you wanted to talk about? Well, I just wanted to note that, um, like I said, Coulson never existed in the in the comic books. But one of the things that happens a lot in the comics these days is that the comics try to retrofit what's happening in the MCU into the comics to try and get that corporate synergy going so that they can bring in some new readers. One of the biggest changes mm. uh, is the fact that Nick Fury is African-American, which in the comics, he's Caucasian. But that happened before the movies, right? That was in the Ultimate line, In the right? Ultimate line, it happened in the movies, but in the regular 616 Marvel Universe, it happened in 2012. There's a the, Coulson's first appearance is in a comic called Battle Scars Number Six in 2012, and that is a mini series that was specifically created to introduce the African American Nick Fury into the 616 universe. And it's not the same as the Ultimate Universe Nick Fury. Is this guy named Marcus Johnson? 
and he is a shield agent and gets kidnapped and tortured he's he's african american uh he's got an african american mother and in the process he loses his eye uh, through the torture and then at the very end he finds out through a series of events that he's actually Nick Fury's son. He's Nick Fury Jr. He's actually half mm. black, half white. And the other Nick Fury, the the guy from World War II, uh, the Caucasian guy, he's gone. He's written out of the picture. He's dead. Technically not dead, but he's dead. And this new Nick Fury Jr. becomes the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they did this weird, weird thing to, to create this story <laughs> to make it more like the movies. And through this story, uh, oh Marcus God. Johnson has a partner who he's, his nickname is Cheese. Uh, and so he just calls him Cheese through this entire thing. And then once Nick, once Marcus Johnson finds out that he's actually Nick Fury Jr., he mentions Cheese by his real name, Phil Coulson. And so they've now brought both of these guys <laughs> into oh. the comics in the most ridiculous way. <laughs> that is that's officially ridiculous yeah. this, i mean just introducing him as an african-american nick fury this was was this this was at the same time where they introduced him as samuel jackson derived nick fury right or was that no in the ultimate that was the ultimate story okay. way that was a you know 10 years before that uh and that they definitely but that that version of the character was really popular and that's what influenced the mcu version of the character also because they wanted more diversity in their cast. Yeah, sure. But then, you know, they wanted to have the actual Nick Fury in the 616 Marvel Universe to be that way, too. So they did a big song and dance to make that happen. Jeez. Jeez, is Coulson. Yep. Unreal. I'm trying to remember, like, if that was ever mentioned as a nickname, like in Captain Marvel, between the two of them. <laughs> Does Cheese ever come I up? don't know. I Yeah, I... I don't recall. That makes me laugh. Cheese. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So funny. Well, speaking of, let's talk a little bit. So, uh, so we get to see a few reactions to Colson dying here. First of all, is Nick Fury? So, I mean, how does this play for you, knowing that there is this history from at least 1995, if not a little bit before, all the way up until this particular moment? I mean, how does how does it play watching Samuel L. Jackson emote with this uh, this moment of the passing of his friend? He's the type of character that I don't expect him to like do a Darth Vader no or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, so it was a it was a nice solemn moment. But then again, he's director of Shield, so he snaps right back. It's like Coulson is down, and then sort of starts giving off more commands and stuff like that. So it it plays well, and I think in the moment nobody can really breathe. You need to set that grieving moment for a little bit later. Well, and it does kind of move into, you know, um, as we cut to the two shot of the two of them as the medical staff arrives to check on him, it goes into a little bit of a slow-mo, you know, we're probably like, I don't know, just, just slightly slower as he kind of stands and backs up to give them space. But you can see as he looks at them, I mean, he's not like, you know, tears pouring down his face or anything, but you can see that his eye is a little more watery, like clearly there is some... Uh, you know, this is hitting him and, and he backs up and kind of leans on the railing. And it's just a moment where it feels like he has lost a comrade in arms. And you definitely get this this weight from his character. I think that 
Samuel L. Jackson plays this moment, um, you know, with what how you would need to play a person in a leadership position, but who is just taking a brief moment, the briefest of moments, just to you know recognize this this uh, sad moment here. I I think it's quite nice. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, you know, I think anytime you get some of our favorite characters mourning one of our other favorite characters, it's like the lowest of the low hanging fruit. So I'm, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm already ready to feel with all these people. But I think this minute, and and in particular, I think the next minute too, where we actually get to to do the round robin of all of the the, the other Avengers mourning the loss of Coulson. I think it, I think it's actually handled well albeit briefly, like this really is the artifact of the movie-by-minute process, that it feels like it's a slow churn when we're talking for a half hour about this one minute of morning and another, you know, tomorrow. But the the truth is, the movie snaps back quickly. And so to use this this bit, this 60 seconds, 120 seconds of emotion to fuel the next hour of film, I think is pretty efficient filmmaking. And, you know, it's it's pretty expertly you know, included here, not saccharine, not sappy, but appropriate for the level of loss. I, I would agree with that. I think that it's it's dwelled on just enough that we can feel it, that we get a little bit of a sense of closure, but then there's still a war happening. So we need to just jump right back into that. And it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And we do get little moments like we see Hill's reaction as, as she's being taken care of and then kind of pushes the medical person away as she hears the news. And uh, I, I always think it's interesting the moment when we cut to to Natasha. Now, we'll, we get very little of this. We'll talk about this a little bit more uh, in tomorrow's minute. Um, but as we're looking at Natasha, as she's hearing the news, we're also seeing the S.H.I.E.L.D. officers taking the unconscious Clint away. And so there's an additional layer that we're getting with her, because on top of the fact that um, Coulson has been lost, you know, she's she's unsure at this point. Like, is Clint going to wake up knowing who he is, or is he still going to be trying to kill her? Who knows? Um, so I think that's an interesting um, last little beat that we have here of this minute. So, good minute. Good stuff. Good minute. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's about it uh, for today. So let's wrap it up. Um, Curtis, uh, thank you again so much for joining us. We certainly appreciate you being here to talk about this with us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And uh, we'll have to see if uh, I can get on for the next movie as well. That'll be fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, tell everybody again one more time about uh, your show and where they can track it down. Sure. My podcast is called the Epic Marvel Podcast. You can find it at epicmarvelpodcast.com. It's a podcast where we just talk about old Marvel comics, and in particular, uh, ones that are collected in the series of trade paperbacks that Marvel produces called the Epic Collections. And I love the Epic Collections. I think they're just a great way to read about Marvel's history. And in fact, I have a Facebook group devoted to them if you just search for Epic Collections on Facebook. And you can also find me uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. I'm all over the place. You just got to search for either my name, Curtis with a K, or Epic Marvel Podcast. Fantastic. Well, the link's in the show notes, everybody. And remember, if you don't see the show notes in your podcatcher, you can just go to our website, marvelmovieminute.com. And there you can also learn about our memberships, where you can get extra episodes, early episodes, ad-free episodes, all that good stuff. That is it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, another guest. I believe tomorrow we have Lachlan Teal coming on to talk with us about Minute 90. So uh, that's it. We'll be back tomorrow. Pete, thanks as always. That's right, Andy. Tomorrow, Cap gets bloody. 
Oh, bloody, bloody. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yapo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.